It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Welcome to Inspiration and Transformation from the Banks of the Ganga with Sadvi Bhagwati Saraswati, an American sannyasi living at the Parmarth Nikitan Ashram in Rishikesh, India. Sadvi is president of the Divine Shakti Foundation, a charitable organization bringing education, vocational training, upliftment, and empowerment programs to women and children. Sadvi is also Secretary General of the Global Interfaith Wash Alliance and Director of the world-famous International Yoga Festival. Join the musings of an American sannyasi as Sadvi shares the wisdom and teachings of her guru, His Holiness, Pujyaswami Chidanand Saraswatiji. Welcome, everyone, to Inspiration and Transformation from the Holy Banks of the sacred Ganga River in the land of Rishikesh, India. Yoga, as we know, the word literally means union. That's what the Sanskrit word means. But it's a, a union of ourselves to the divine. When most of us practice yoga, the union that we're looking for is, oh, I should get my nose down to my knee, or oh, I should get my hands to the ground, or my fingers to the ground. But it's not that union that yoga ultimately refers to. It's the union of the self to the divine. And if you look at the spiritual philosophy, of India, if you look at the Bhagavad Gita, for example, which is seen really as the, the scripture of yoga, of yoga in life, what we're given is very little about physical postures and everything about how we live. Whether we attain that state of union through devotion, Bhakti yoga, through knowledge and wisdom, jnana yoga, through service, karma yoga, doesn't matter. The point is just to connect. And so when you come here and we're studying yoga, even though your days are filled with different exercises, exercises of the body, exercises of the breath, it's important to remember that all of these are in service of a higher purpose. Yes, along the way you're going to get very fit. Yes, along the way you'll get strong and your legs will get limber. But that's a bonus. That's not the highest goal. The highest goal is that through this practice, whether you get it 
through a physical posture, whether you get it through the breath, whether you get it through sitting in meditation, whether you get it through a practice of devotion, whether you get it through reading or you get it through serving. The goal is the same. And that goal is union. And that's why when people say, well, which form of yoga is the best? Sometimes people ask it in terms of the physical postures. Is Ashtanga yoga or Kundalini yoga or Vinyasa yoga or Iyengar yoga, which is the best? Or on a spiritual level, people will say, well, is Bhakti yoga better or Gyan yoga or Karma yoga, Raja yoga? And really what it's like saying is, what's the best way to get into Ganga? Well, on our, on our God here at Parmarth, we've got these nice steps and they're covered in marble. Go a little bit downstream, you'll find a marble got without steps. It's just sort of an incline down. Go a little further, you'll find it's not marbled over, it's dirt. Go a little upstream, you'll find a rock off of which you can jump. There's a lot of different ways to get into Ganga. But it doesn't matter. The goal is to get in. And then the same way with yoga, What's more important is that we get in, that we get connected, rather than which path we took. So focus on the highest ultimate goal, which is that union. The body is a temple. The body is the vehicle that we use for our union, for our enlightenment. Yes, meditation can be done doing anything, but those of us who have practiced it find that it's most conducive to be seated, ideally seated in a cross-legged posture, with your back as straight as possible. But if your body is hurting, if your body is in pain, if your body is sick, you can't sit for meditation. If you can't sit for meditation, It's hard to have the experiences that meditation gives us. So we take care of our bodies. We've only got one. But ultimately the goal is to use the body as as a vehicle for our awakening, a vehicle for our consciousness. So when you're here and you're studying yoga, it's important to remember that even though the instructions may be about the muscles, about the bones, about different areas of the body, that your highest goal is to ask yourself, am I experiencing yoga more every day? Am I feeling more and more united every day to myself, to the divine, to the people around me? When you practice yoga, very important aspect of yoga to remember <coughs> is that it begins, Patanjali gave us eight limbs. And asana is limb number three. Pranayama is limb number four. The first two are the yamas and the niyamas. 
which is how we live. The do's and don'ts. I won't go into all of that in this short time, but it's it's how we live. We begin with nonviolence, truthfulness, non-stealing, non-hoarding. This has nothing to do with strength and flexibility in the muscles. It has nothing to do with how long you can stand and headstand. It has to do with who you are. And that's the foundation of yoga. And that's what's so important because so many of us these days, particularly in the West, have this misconception that if I can do all these fancy postures, I'm a yogi. And we disregard the violence in our lives. doesn't mean we take a club and we go out and we actually beat people. But it may be violence in our words. It may be violence to ourselves. How we speak, the lies we tell, do we gossip, are we negative, are we judgmental? Do we make other people feel bad? It's violence. And so when we practice yoga, you've come to India for a reason. And you've come to Rishikesh and to Ganga for a reason. You can take yoga courses, you can get a yoga certificate in almost every city of almost every country in the world these days. But if you've come all the way here, you've come for something much, much deeper than just physical postures. Ask yourself as the hours go by, as the days go by, am I becoming a yogi? Am I embodying in my life practices of nonviolence in word, in thought, in deed, to myself, to others? Am I living a life of truthfulness? And truthfulness doesn't just mean I don't speak lies. It means I literally live by the truth of who I am, of who other people are. Do I treat myself as an object, other people as objects? Well, that's false. When we know that who we are is consciousness and love and divinity, treating ourselves and others as anything else is falsehood. Do we steal? Do we hoard? Whether it's people's time, whether it's people's affection, whatever it is, all of these give us ways to look into ourselves and understand ourselves. And that's, that's what you're here for. You're here for something much deeper than just the asana. And so make sure that you open your hearts, that you open your minds, and really ask yourself every day, am I getting more connected? Because you're in a place where saints and sages and rishis have spent thousands of years. And this is true for all of you, whether you're in the yoga course or you're just here for a day. You're in a place 
where saints and sages have come for thousands of years to meditate and attain enlightenment. If you're here, you're here because you were called, you were pulled for something very special. Give yourself that gift of really opening yourself up. Really opening yourself up to the magical potential of what's here. It's very easy to get lost in the logistics, whether it's the logistics of, oh my God, I have to memorize all of this anatomy for the test Induji is going to give me next week, whether it's the logistics of different aspects of what we're doing here. Who else is doing what? Where I stand, how things are coming. And regardless of what's brought us here, that we think, we've all been brought by Ganga. And we've all been brought by a very, very powerful energy of awakening, energy of enlightenment. Otherwise, we wouldn't be here. You don't wake up one day hundreds or thousands of miles from where you were born and where you were living previously and find yourself in a sacred land like this without being really deeply called. Whether it's a day, whether it's a week, whether it's a two-week yoga course, whether it's months or years, we're all here for the yoga. You're listening to OTRFM, part of the IOM radio network. Being a radio host on IOM FM allows you to build your show on a rich platform with the power of the Internet to fulfill your outreach goals and connect with a very specialized and global online audience, unlimited by time and distance. OM Times Radio will provide you with web relevance, a recognizable conscious brand, and with the standard of excellence that has accompanied every single... Circle of Hearts Radio is a sanctuary on the airwaves. Join me, Grandmother Aliyah, in the circle on Sunday, 2 p.m. Eastern, as I share information to both enlighten and nourish your soul. Hi, this is Christina Ricci with Rain. Every two minutes, another American is sexually assaulted. If you or someone you know has been sexually assaulted, you are not alone. Help is just a call or click away through the national... Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Chumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to Chumbacasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void. we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Sexual assault hotline. Please call 1-800-656-HOPE. That's H-O-P-E. Or visit rain.org. That's R-A-I-N-N 
www.rainandmilk.org. Brought to you by Rain and this station. Welcome back to Inspiration and Transformation. I'm so glad to have you all back here with me. What is happiness and how to achieve it? And another says, how do we control our ego? And they actually go very nicely together because the ego is the greatest impediment to our happiness. Happiness is not something we achieve. Most of us these days, regardless of where we're from, are born and raised in a culture that's all about achievement. From the time we're very young, it's all about what we're able to do. Whether it's clean up our room, whether it's help mom in the kitchen, whether it's get 10 out of 10 on our arithmetic quiz, whether it's get into an Ivy League college, whether it's get the career that we want, whether it's make the money that we want. Our lives are focused on achievement from the time we're very young. And we were taught that who we are, our value as a person, is based on what we achieve. And so when we look for something like happiness, we take that also as an achievement. How can I achieve happiness? But the truth is that the only way to experience happiness is to stop striving toward achievement. Happiness is a state of mind in which we recognize that right here, right now, we are so grateful. We're all grateful for different things. But that happiness has to be right here and right now. It's not something we can have next week or last week. It's not something we can work toward. That's all the achievement mentality. Keep climbing the ladder and then you'll get it. Just lose another 10 pounds. Just get another raise. Just get another promotion. Just move to this area of town. And it's that mentality that keeps us from happiness. And the practice of gratitude just the conscious gratitude in every moment brings us in touch with the true state of our being, which is happiness. I always say when you look at kids, little babies, what do they need to be happy? Nothing. We give kids you know, all of these fancy toys and inevitably they're much more excited about the box it came in than the toy itself. They don't even open the box sometimes. You actually have to say, no, 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 open it. The present is actually inside. They're so enthralled with the ribbon or the paper or the box. Lie them on their back. They're enthralled with their own toes. It's as we grow that we're brainwashed into believing that our happiness is something outside of us. We're not good enough. 
we're not smart enough, we're not rich enough, we're not pretty enough, we're not fair enough, we're not whatever it is. And if we can just be thinner, richer, fairer, more successful, married with kids, whatever our thing is, more respected, more appreciated, more loved, in better health, more skilled, then I'll be happy. But that's all rooted in the idea that who I am right now is not enough. And what we find when we really look at our lives is that it's always one more thing. This week it's something, then I get that. I achieve that. And then next week it becomes something else. And the only way to actually experience happiness is to recognize that it's nothing outside of me. It's only within. And it's only in the connection to who I am, what the universe is, God by any name, and by connecting to the Creator in all the forms. That's what love is. Why does love make us so happy? Doesn't matter what you love. Why do so many people who are depressed and sad get so happy with puppy dogs or kitties? Doesn't matter what you love. Loving anything, even a puppy, even a kitty, even a tree, connects us to love. Doesn't matter what the object is. We're connecting to love, and when we connect to love, we're connecting to that source of who we really are. And that's in what happiness lies. So to achieve it, we stop trying to achieve it. We stop right where we are. We remove the barriers to happiness of which ego is the greatest, which was why I was glad to take that question with it. It's the ego that keeps us thinking. I am the body, I'm my identity, I'm my personality, I'm my history. It's the ego that says, you're not good enough. It's the ego that says, this is the drama of your life. The ego is the one who holds the script of our lives. What happens to most of us is we live our lives with patterns. They begin in our childhood and then we carry them with us in our lives. We were abandoned as kids, we're going to carry abandonment into our adulthood. We were abused as kids, we'll carry abuse into our adulthood. We had seven brothers and sisters and we were totally ignored in our childhood, we're going to carry being ignored into our adulthood. We're going to carry these patterns into our life and constantly recreate them in our own minds. 
And it's the ego that does that. It's the ego that holds on to this pattern because it's so identified as that middle child of seven or eight or nine siblings and my parents forgot that I ever existed. Nobody paid attention to me. Or I had a brother or sister who was the smart one and I was always told, you're not as good. Or whatever the story was. It's the ego that latches onto that and then carries it with us into our adult life. And that's what prevents us from being happy is the stories we tell ourselves. It's nothing someone else does. It's our story about what they do. And that's a very important distinction. It's not what other people do that take our that takes our happiness. It's what we tell ourselves about what they do. It's how we interpret the drama that's unfolding. And that's all the play of the ego. The ego is the one that tells us, I am the victim. I am the one. Why do I always have to be the one to sacrifice? Why is it always me? Why don't other people hold up their end of the work? I'm always the one. That's the ego. I never get enough. That's the ego. Letting go of the ego is saying, I'm not my history, I'm not my story. I am the consciousness, I am the love, I am the the infinite being. And connecting with that is the source to happiness. And so slowly, slowly, slowly through our practice of meditation, through yoga, through just life, through insight, through introspection, We let go of all of the stuff that's not us. We let go of the ego. And enable ourselves to actually experience happiness. And gratitude is one of the greatest, the greatest ways because it pulls us out of the ego story. And it brings us right back into the present moment. And regardless of what's going on in our life, inevitably there's something we can be grateful for. And focusing on that, having a practice of gratitude, morning and evening. And a practice of letting go. Letting go of the stories. Who would I be if I didn't carry that with me? And that's what yoga does. By uniting us with who we really are, it frees us from who we're not, from all the lies and the stories that we've been told our whole lives. And in that union, we experience happiness. This is OTRFM, part of the IOM Radio Network.
Om Times Magazine is one of the leading online content providers of positivity, wellness, and personal empowerment. A philanthropic organization, their net proceeds are funneled to support worldwide charity initiatives via Humanity Healing International. Through their commitment to creating community and providing conscious content, they aspire to uplift humanity on a global scale. Om Times, co-creating a more conscious lifestyle. Do you have time to read that inspiring book or that blog post you've been meaning to get to? In your busy world, how do you improve yourself and keep your life going? I'm Lisa Kay, and my Between Heaven and Earth radio show can transform your life just by listening. Be uplifted with inspiring topics, positive stories, and ideas that really work. Between Heaven and Earth radio is conscious living for your soul every Wednesday at 4 p.m. Eastern Time. Baldwin with People for the Ethical Treatment of Animals. I grew up loving circuses and other traveling animal shows, but it never occurred to me what life might be like for the animals. Training wild animals to do things they don't understand takes force. Routine discipline with a hook or whip with the heel of a boot shows the animal exactly who's the boss. Don't patronize animal acts. Please contact People for the Ethical Treatment of Animals. 757-622-PETA. Welcome back. This is Sadvi Bhagavati Saraswati with inspiration and transformation. One of the questions that came up, which I'll begin with, is about anxiety. The question said, I feel anxiety in many situations. Is anxiety a bad thing? First of all, what's most important to remember is Nothing that we experience is bad. The only bad thing is thinking that what we feel is bad. Because then what we... With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, We've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandslots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Chumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa. Take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. What we do is we end up separating ourselves from ourselves. We all want to be good. We want to be good people. We want to act in good ways, think in good ways. And so the minute that we label something inside of us as bad, we've cut ourselves off from it. And the whole point of a spiritual practice is integration, union, oneness. When we talk about yoga, yoga is oneness, union. So nothing is bad. Certain things we feel 
elevate us, help us get in touch with the truth of who we are, the divinity of ourselves, the divinity of the universe. They take us into, into the realm in which everyone is one. Some things we feel bring us down. They take us out of the beautiful spiritual realm into the flesh. Not bad. Nonetheless, most of us on a spiritual path would rather be in a place of experiencing oneness and union and love and consciousness than in this tunnel-visioned, tunnel experience of greed or lust or anger. So when we look at anxiety, anxiety, it's not bad. So that's the first and most important thing. It's not bad. However, what does anxiety do? It makes our heart race. I mean, there's, there's a physiological component to anxiety. It's not only emotional. When we feel stressed, when we feel anxious, our heart rate rushes, our blood pressure goes up. All of the energy of our body literally rushes to the extremities. It's our fight-or-flight syndrome. We literally, biologically, Darwinianly are primed and ready in that moment to either fight or flee. That's the, the fight or flight nervous system response. And it's, it's very, very useful. If you were living in a cave and you had to protect your cave from tigers or bears or warring tribes who were coming at you with spears. But it's not very helpful in the world we live in. You need that rush of adrenaline. You need that anxiety, that pumping heart to be able to outrun a bear or a tiger, to be able to fight off a warring faction, to be able to climb a tree. This is, it's good stuff for a very short period of time when our lives are threatened. But the places that most of us feel anxiety today is everywhere and every day. Social situations, parties, friends, work, public speaking, presenting ourselves, going on a date. I mean, it's like everything that happens in our life brings up anxiety. So life has become a life-or-death, fight-or-flight situation. And that's where it becomes troublesome. Because we cannot be living in a state of openness and expansion and simultaneously a state of running or fighting. Either the world is something to be afraid of or the world is something to be one with. Can't be both. And so every minute that we feel anxiety, what that's telling us on a physiological level is 
This situation is dangerous. And that's not, not a very healthy way to live. So the question then becomes, how do we remove the anxiety? How do we stop feeling anxious? Well, we've talked about this a lot in here. The anxiety that we feel stems from the illusion that we are what we look like, that we are how we perform, that we are what other people think of us. And the minute we can get beyond that, then whether someone laughs at our jokes or smiles at us or tells us we're fat and stupid or asks us out on a second date, it's not about who we are. And so it doesn't create that level of anxiety. So every time you feel anxious, ask yourself, is this really life and death? Is this really a situation where I want to separate myself from the world? And if not, then ask yourself how you can expand how you think of yourself. Ground yourself in your breath. Try to experience a state of oneness with the people around you rather than a sense of separation. Because where there's oneness, there's no fear. Where there's fear, it's because we feel separation. So anxiety is not bad, but it takes us from the truth of who we are. And on a spiritual path, we want to go closer to the truth of who we are. This is OTRFM. Part of the IOM Radio Network. The number one reason girls drop out of school in sub-Saharan Africa is lack of access to feminine hygiene products. The Pads for School Girls Project, an outreach of Humanity Healing International, is changing this paradigm by setting up sewing programs at schools, teaching girls a vocational skill, while producing the reusable pads that help keep them attending classes. The girls pay it forward by making and giving pad kits to other girls in need. To learn more, visit HumanityHealing.org. Humanity Healing is where your heart is. Circle of Hearts Radio is a sanctuary on the airwaves. Join me, Grandmother Alaya, in the circle on Sunday, 2 p.m. Eastern, as I share information to both enlighten and nourish your soul. When I broke my foot for leaving me alone when I wanted to be alone. And, and now, now, as a grown up, I'm thankful for being able to take care of you, my dear mom, for taking you to your therapies, for understanding that sometimes you simply want to be alone. Roles change without us noticing. That's why AARP gives you the information to provide even better care for your loved one. Visit aarp.org slash caregiving. Brought to you by AARP and the Ad Council. Welcome back. This is Sadvi Bhagavati Saraswati, and thanks for coming back and joining us for more of inspiration and transformation. How do we stop being so stressed? And so I wanted to take that before we go on to an, a new topic. First of all, it was wonderful to hear that people even realize that stress is a problem. Because stress has become something 
that is so commonplace that most of us actually forget it's not the natural way of being. I remember when I had been in India just a few months and I went back to America and I went straight from the airport to go visit my grandmother. She was not well and I hadn't seen her and I wanted to go see her. And I spent with her maybe a good couple of hours. We had a beautiful talk about my trip to India, what it had been like. And when I left her and I went to go back to drive home, along the way, my uncle called. And he said, I heard about your visit. And he had this kind of laughing tone in his voice. And I said, my uncle and I have always been very close. And I said, what happened? And evidently, after I left my grandmother's, she had called my uncle, her son, and had said, something is very wrong. And naturally, my uncle was worried. My whole family was ready to you know, hear that I had been brainwashed or kidnapped or had joined a cult or, you know, all of, all of the things that families fear. And so my uncle was very worried and said, what do you mean? What happened? And my grandmother said to him, well, she looked okay. And my uncle said, well, okay, then what was the problem? My grandma said, well, she, she looked all right, but but something was not right. And my uncle said, well, mom, what was it? What was it? And finally, my grandmother blurts out, she was just, just happy all the time. <laughs> and I, I love this story. I share it. It's a word-for-word true story, unembellished. What I love about that is that if I had spent the couple of hours with my grandmother, checking my watch every two minutes, pulling my hair about, out about, oh my God, the things I have to do, the decisions I have to make, what's going to happen to my life, I really want to live in India. And I had turned the whole thing into a stressful situation. That would have been very normal. She would have told my uncle, everything is fine, everything is perfect, yeah, maybe a little jet lagged, otherwise she's great. But the absence of stress is what has become abnormal. And so the first piece of the answer is just congratulations to even recognize that being stressed is not our natural way, that it actually is something to be overcome. The next piece of it, though, is to understand, as we've been talking over these nights, about why we get stressed. And the bottom line is because we have, as Pooja Swamiji says, expectations. And as he says, expectations are the mother of frustration. Now, with stress, what happens is we have a very, very clear idea of what we want, whether it's from the universe, how the weather should behave. For example, I have an an outdoors wedding planned tomorrow. It better not rain. Whether it's what we want from our employees, 
they better do exactly what I tell them, exactly in the way that I want it done. And if I haven't told them, well, they better be able to read my mind and intuit how I want it done. They better treat me with respect, whether I'm right or wrong. With our loved ones, we have expectations about how they should treat us, how they should act, how they should speak. We have expectations about God. If we are good people and we pray and we do chanting and we do all of the things that we're supposed to do, only good things should happen to us. No one we love should get sick or die. We certainly shouldn't get sick or die. Whatever we do, we should succeed in it. So everywhere in our life, we have these expectations. And from those is what brings stress. And so the way not to have stress is to understand that the universe is not a vending machine. It's not as easy as we put something in and what we want comes out. In a vending machine, you stick in a dollar bill or however many rupees a chocolate bar costs and you push the button for chocolate bar and it comes out. And if you put in the money and you push the button and it doesn't come out, will you understand the machine is broken? Depending on your temperament, maybe you kick it, maybe you shake it, maybe you, you know, try again. Maybe you just go to a new machine. But in life, we can't use the same model. Just because the universe or God or my guru didn't give me what I want doesn't mean I've got the wrong mantra or the wrong prayer or the wrong temple that I'm going to. Just because people around us don't act how we, don't, how we want them to doesn't mean that there's something wrong. This is what we talk about, the karmic package. And this is really where we ended up last night that led into this question, which is the only thing we have control over is our own selves and our own reactions. A, a very, very beautiful saint once said that the only definition of success is how I respond to the inevitable times that the universe does not act in the way I think it should. If that becomes our model of success, it's not about how much fame or accolades or money or success a particular program or project or idea gets. It's not about whether I'm Miss Universe or Mr. Universe. It's not about how many things go my way. It's about how I respond to the inevitable times. That's worth repeating. Inevitable times. Doesn't matter how many malas we do. 
doesn't matter what good people we are. It is inevitable that there will be times that the universe does not act the way that we wanted it to. And how we respond. And recognize that we are the only ones we have control over. Only my reaction. And this is where you get that journey from stress management to what Pooja Swamiji calls self-management. It's no longer about how do I manage my stress. It's about how do I manage myself so that as I move through the universe, I don't experience the stress. And the most important way is to stop trying to control the world around us. To stop expecting people, the weather, God, the stock market, interest rates, the traffic, whatever it is, to go our way. But that's what most of us do. And you think about an example I give frequently on this is, you know, most of us love the summer. Summer changes into winter inevitably. As summer starts to change into winter, we have only two options. Option one is we say, oh, it was a great summer. I loved it. Let's get ready for winter. We pull out the winter clothes. We shift our mind from swimming to skiing. Or we can fight it. And pretend as though we had even one iota of control over that change. And you can wear your bikini into December. But it's not going to make the snow stop falling. It's just going to give you pneumonia. There's no weather pattern that changes. I mean, kids all over the world, as long as there has been school, Kids have mourned the end of summer break. Kids have cried. Kids have had temper tantrums. Kids have locked themselves in their room. It doesn't change summer from leaving. It doesn't give you another week of summer. And so the way to approach that in our lives is to understand that we are the only ones we have control of. And that brings me to the last point that I wanted to make about this, is that most of our mental state is a reflection of the world around us. People are nice to us, we're happy. People are polite and respectful, we're happy. And we're nice to them. What we want happens, we're happy. Flip it around, people are not nice to us, we're no longer happy. And we're no longer nice to them in most cases. What that means is that my inner being, what we call the swastiti, the situation internally, the situation of myself, is determined based on the paristiti, the situation outside of me. 
And this is what leads to disaster. But it also works the other way. It's not just that we have to lock ourselves up from the outer world. That's not the answer. We're connected. We're connected to the people around us, connected to the world around us. So the solution becomes, instead of just being a receiver, as is the paristhiti, the world outside, so is my swastiti. Instead of that, how can I have such a peaceful, joyful, grounded inner being, swastiti, that I actually change through not my yelling, not my screaming, not my micromanagement, not my sulking, but simply through the energetic frequency of who I am, the world around me. And that's the way that we deal with stress. And the very last point on this is that when things happen in our lives, because they do, what most of us do is we hold a grudge. Somebody hurts us, somebody's mean to us, knowingly or unknowingly. We hold a grudge. We expect them to do something to make it better. And until and unless they do, well, I am angry. You better get back here and fix this situation. Say you're sorry, take care of it, clean up your mess. Imagine for a moment that at your home, someone comes over, you make them a cup of tea or coffee, and sitting on a nice white couch like these ones, they spill it. Now pretend your white couch is new. They spill it. And then they have the audacity to stand up and leave. Okay, so you've done everything right. You were a good host. You went in. You personally made them a cup of tea or coffee. You brought it to them. Not only did they spill that on your new white couch, but they had the thoughtlessness to then stand up and leave. Now, what are you going to do? What are we going to do? Anybody? Hmm, clean the couch. Anybody going to wait for them to come back and clean the couch? Because we understand this is my couch. I'm the one who has to see this couch every day. I'm the one who has to sit on it. Yes, they were rude, fine, but my priority is getting the stain out of my couch because it's my couch in my house. Now, when someone does that to our heart, it's our heart. We have to live with it. And expecting someone to fix what they've done, knowingly or unknowingly, purposely or accidentally, the stain that they've put on our heart, on our lives, and holding on to that grudge until they get back here and properly apologize or make it up to me, is as silly as waiting for them to come back and clean the coffee stain off the couch. 
So we clean our stains as quickly as we can before they stain. So as we're moving through the world, the minute something happens that is a provoker of stress, let our first reaction be to just see it as a stain on our couch and figure out how can I get that stain out. Oh my God, I'm angry. How can I clean it? Oh my God, I'm stressed. I'm upset. How can I clean it? Oh my God, I'm furious, vengeful, disappointed. How can I clean it? Doesn't mean that they were right to have done it. But what it means is that my couch, my heart, is much more important to me than what that person owes me or how sensitive or insensitive it was for them to spill that beautiful hot cup of coffee on my couch. My priority is to clean it. And if we make that our priority, then life becomes much more selfly managed. This brings to a close this hour of inspiration and transformation. Thank you so much for joining me. I'm so glad to be together with you all each week. And I look forward to being together again next Thursday, same time on Ohm Times Radio. Thank you.